morning, sunshine. Doesn't everybody just love this cold, brisk air this morning? I'm not a big fan. Uh, we'll get our worship started this morning with prayer, and then uh, uh, we'll start our worship after that. God, we thank you for just allowing us to be here this morning, dear Lord. Um, we just want to thank you for all your many blessings, allowing us to come in or come here week in and week out, dear Lord. I just want to ask that you be with us this morning. Help us uh, put our worldly troubles aside and help us focus in um, on you and what you've done for us. God, I just want to ask uh, that, or I hope that this music is pleasing to your ears, dear Lord. I hope that, uh, or I want to pray for Jamie as well as he gives us a lesson this morning. Uh, be with everybody serving at the uh, at the table, and um, just continue to bless us like you always do. It's in your your son's name I pray. Amen. I'd like to stay here longer than man's allotted days and watch some fleeting changes of life's uneven ways. But if my Savior calls me to that sweet home on high, I'll live with Him forever in glory by and by. Oh yes, I'll live in glory by and by. I'll tell and sing a story there on high. There with my dear Redeemer, more to God. Oh yes, I'll live in glory by and by. I want to be of service along this pilgrim way and lead the lost in Jesus as fervently. Keep him ever high and live with him forever in glory by and by. Oh, yes, I'll live in glory by and by. I'll tell and sing my story there on high. There with my dear Redeemer, no more to God. Oh, yes, I'll live in glory by and by. The end I know is. By faith I look away to yonder arms of pearl, the land of endless day. I'll cling to him forever and look beyond the sky and live with him forever in glory by and by. Oh yes, I'll live in glory by and by. I'll tell and sing my story there on high, there with my dear Shut that right side door. One, yeah, one of the. I can't see the. Uh, your left. I can't see the power with the glare coming off a shiny white car out there. Sorry about that. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His word, what a glory He sheds on us. Happy. 
Scripture reading this morning is from Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Will you bow with me, please? Oh, Lord, we just humbly come before you, thanking you for this day that we can come together and sing praises and, and worship to you, Lord. We just thank you for giving us this time together, Lord. Help us to open our hearts and our minds to your word today, Lord. And help us just to look to you for guidance, Lord. Be with the ones on the sick list, Lord, and also be with Jamie this morning as he brings a lesson. Just thank you for your son and his name. Amen. All right, we're going to sing this. I think it's called the Power of His Name medley, I believe. So there's three songs uh, back to back to back in this one. But we're going to sing the first one, Jesus' Name Above All Names, uh, twice through. Jesus' Name Above All Names, Beautiful Savior, Glorious Thank you. 
things that you uh, think about, you know, when you're trying to decide what you want to say up here, and so many things that sound like, oh yeah, I'd li- I really want to talk about that, and I really want to talk about this, and, you know, you uh, kind of have to hone those down a little bit, because a lot of them seem like they would make sense to you, but probably if I tried to get up here and relate those thoughts to you guys, you wouldn't be able to follow where I was going with that, but, um, you know, I was thinking about communion, And I was thinking about what we do here and, you know, and I don't, I don't want to take away anything from the concept of what we do here, but I was thinking about how the original uh, Lord's Supper would have looked, you know, and how um, we're all sitting in chairs and we're all facing one, you know, one direction and all that. And I think about the difference of, um, sitting around the table, you know, sitting around the table with Jesus. And, you know, and that's what we're called to kind of put our mind back to, is that we're around a Lord's Supper. We're around that table with Jesus, of him breaking the bread and handing it to us and taking the cup and handing it to us. You know, obviously in this setting we're serving each other, but we're communing together. But the whole idea is to take us back to that, take us back to that thought of this is who we are and this is where we're called to be and we're called to be part of this. And so there's this song that I really like um, and some of you may know it, some of you may not and that's okay. I'm going to read you some of the lyrics um, just because it's a, it's a powerful song to me and like I said, I'm going to jump kind of into the middle of it so some of these lyrics may not make a whole lot of sense. But it's, uh, it's by a, a group called Need to Breathe. They're kind of a folksy kind of feel. I don't know how you would describe them. But the song uh, is called I Am Yours. 
And I'm just going to read from the bridge. It says, we say, no, don't let the rain come because we've got our reservations, but the water that we need is bound to overtake us. This is the part that always just kind of gets me every time I hear it. It says, if I had to write a story of the greatest love in time, I would have to sing of you how I'm this branch and you're the vine. And the romance that we have, oh, it's easy by design. I was fortunate to find you. I'm still blown away. You're mine. And the chorus says, because I'm, I'm yours and you will always be mine. It seems like madness. I'm invited to the table by your side. Because I'm yours and you will always be mine. I'm a man whose one ambition is to dance with my divine. Because I am yours and you are mine. You are, you are mine. And so when I was thinking about that song, um, I was thinking about scripture and um, just different parts of scripture and thinking about John chapter 15 um, when he's talking about the branch and the vine. And I'm not going to read the entire chapter, but I wanted to just kind of highlight a couple things. So um, in verse 13, he, ha- he says, Greater love has no one than this to lay one's life down for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from the Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. This is my command, love each other. And I just think about that, you know, that, that we didn't choose him that he chose us to be part of this. And that whole idea of, of in that song where he says, it seems like madness that I'm called to the table by your side. You know, we're not worthy to be called to this table, except that Jesus makes us worthy to be called to this table, to be part of this. And that's the madness of it all, is that we know ourselves. We know who we are. And we know all of our faults. We know all the flaws. We know all the things that we do on a daily basis or a weekly basis or whatever that disqualifies us from this. But Jesus says, I'm bringing you to this table because I love you, because that's what I did when I went to the cross, is I made you worthy to be at this table by my side. I made you worthy to take the bread out of my hand and the the cup from my hand and to be part of this family. So I know that was a lot, but hopefully you can kind of grab onto the thoughts Um, there and uh, let's pray for the bread and we'll keep moving through the service father we thank you for today god we thank you for this worship service we thank you for your presence among us Uh, but god right now we just thank you for the table that you have invited us to father that we can be surrounding this table with you uh, with our brothers and sisters god that we are part of your family that we are part of this um this kingdom that you are building, God, and we just pray that we can be uh, part of that. Uh, we pray that we can be moving uh, in the di- in the direction that you're moving, Father, and I just pray that um, that you would bless our time right now. Pray that you would bless our hearts as we partake of the bread, God. That you would help us to remember the sacrifice of your Son uh, for uh, our life, for His um, and His body broken for us. Uh, Father, that we can we can be drawn into your family and we can be part of uh, part of that um, promise that was made uh, so many years ago. 
And God, I just pray that you would help us to always remember that. In Jesus' name, amen. Bows, we give thanks for the cup. Father, again, we just uh, come to you. Um, Father, just truly thankful for uh, this blessing of being uh, being part of your family, God. We thank you for this uh, cup and what it represents. Uh, Father, your son's blood uh, that cleanses us. Uh, Father, that... Um, washes us daily with your grace, Father, with your mercy, uh, with the things that we need for life. Uh, God, and I just pray that, um, that we, would, uh, we would make that, uh, make that sacrifice the, the center of our life. Uh, Father, the things that we, the filter that we view our world through, uh, God, is um, the filter of your love for us. Uh, Father, that we can give that love to the people around us. Uh, Father, we can give that love uh, to our family and our friends. Uh, God, and just all the people that we interact with, uh, Father, we know um, how valuable that they are to you, uh, Father, and help us to see that value, help us to see uh, how much that you have, um, that you have given up uh, for us and for them, uh, Father, and just help us to always uh, just live in gratitude to, to you uh, for just everything that you do, Father. Um, I just pray that, uh, that as we partake of this cup, uh, God, that it would be a reminder to us, uh, would be a reminder us to, uh, to the invitation that we have every day, uh, God, to walk with you, uh, to be in your presence, uh, Father, just not in, um, in the church service, Father, but every day, uh, God, that we would, we would lift up our eyes, we would see you clearly, uh, Father, we would see your hand in our life, we would see your spirit guiding us, Father, and that that would make a difference in who we are, uh, Father, and how we interact with people, Father, how we live life. I just pray that we would live 
life boldly and full because of you. Uh, Father, that is what you've called us to. Uh, God, you um, hold nothing back from us. Uh, help us to hold nothing back from you, just to give us, uh, give you our life, uh, Father, and everything that we are. Uh, just pray that you would go with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Resolve no longer to linger, charmed by the world's divine. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Faithful and true each day. He 
same thing, right? So it's good to be here this morning. We've been doing, uh, you know this back in the day, I'm going to, Jacob, if this gets weird up here, just tell me. I've got to kind of keep an eye on this today. Um, we've been doing something, we were doing something through um, the fruit of the Spirit, 
then we were out of town for a bit, a couple of weeks, and, and Dave was, um, the real preacher was up here for a couple of weeks. And then we had another preacher up here for a week. Well, I mean, I was in, in, in the in-between, and then, then, and then me today. So, so there's a, there's, we're going to break just a little bit longer because maybe you knew, maybe you didn't, but we're, you know, Easter's almost here, and I want to give a few weeks to us, to our hearts and to our minds of what, what we would celebrate, what it would look like, why, the why of it, I guess I would say. And, and so something this morning that I want to do and need to do is, um, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of an undertaking, so you need to pray with me and you need to put a seatbelt on for a little bit. Um, and, and you need to, we need to. Take whatever you think you know, all of us, everybody in the room, take what you think you know, and just kind of, just for once, just set it aside for a little bit. Whatever you're thinking about God, however you feel about him, whatever your fear of him is from however far back you were given it, just for a little bit, just set it aside and take a risk that maybe he's a little different than you knew him to be. Maybe he's just a little more loving, a little more hopeful, a little more wonderful, even awesome. Because he is. There's so many things that we're tainted by and we struggle with. So, so we're going to go in this direction. So, so I love to tell the story. I do love to tell the story. I had a for, the fortunate opportunity this Thursday, I get to do the Bible Club for Minford and Wheelersburg, you know, um, and, and th- Thursday was a great time with the Wheelersburg uh, kids. And then, and then I was in a retreat this yesterday with Jordan Miles and a crew from his church, and I was blessed to tell, I love to tell the story. I'm not, I'm not a really good preacher. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feign in that. But man, I love to tell the story. And, and so we're going to talk about the story over the next few weeks, but we're going all the way back to God's relationship with his people. If you want to understand the New Testament, and you have to have some grasp on the New Testament, then you have to understand the Old Testament. You have to have some grip on it. It is God's working, or some would say handling, and you're wrong he is not handling his people. You don't handle people. You don't manage people. That's for businesses who make money from people. God loves his people, and he leads his people constantly through Scripture. Okay, so let's pray together, and then let's have some fun, all right? Father, thanks for this day. It is good to be here. And Lord, I confess to you and to everyone here that I do not know this story well enough. So I'm counting on you and your spirit to teach us and to lead us and to guide us. Man, you're good. And I pray that you would stir our hearts today. I pray that you would move our hearts today. God, I pray that you would just give us that thing that we so lack, the ability to really see you aside from all our preconceived notions. We just live as if we're the center of the world, God. You're everything. We're just yours. So help us to settle more into that today. In your son's name we pray. Amen. 
In the beginning, right, <clears throat> we love this. Steve Miller would say, if you can get a hold of this, everything else in Scripture will be no problem for you at all. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And when he created the heavens and the earth, he said, everything is good. And, 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 and all of this, by the way, is going to be really, really quick overview. Um, could somebody close those doors in the back? <laughs> There's a lot of glare coming in there. Jared, I feel you, man. Um, both right and left, my right and your right, and my left and your left. Thank you very much. He made everything, and he called it all good. He walked through every, you know, the days of creation, and everything you see and you know, he made. Wow. He made it all, and then he made man, and he called him good, and he created Eve. And for man and together, they become the first family. They are good. The serpent comes along. Serpent is bad. The serpent comes along and tempts him. Did he really say that? God had made everything good. The cool thing about what's happening, you got to get this. He hung out with their, the, new, the first family every day. He'd just come and walk in the garden, hanging out with his people, God with his people. That's his plan. He is not violent. He's not angry. He's not mad. He's just chilling with his family, showing up like this. If Jared would have done the Zach thing and everybody stand up and talk about it, I'm not saying you should have. I'm just saying God would walk right amongst them and just say, what's up? What's up? How you doing? Did you see this flower? Did you see that fruit? By the way, not that fruit. <laughs> you don't touch that fruit. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. Only thing, don't touch. Everything else is yours. Be free. Have a blast. Satan comes in and says, did he say you couldn't? Did he really say and, enter, and, and enter, in comes doubt into their minds. And you know where you battle, always where we battle. It's not our, our dead set things. It's when someone just introduces a little bit of doubt. And so Eve eats, encourages Adam to eat, and their eyes are open and they die. Not physically, spiritually. There's a separation. There's a fall. Mankind now knows about sin. They know fully. We understand differently. The relationship, the innocence is broken. Introduces shame. They realize they're naked. Introduces blame. That woman you gave me. And then pain. You're going to have children and it's going to hurt. You're going to be working the ground and it is not going to work with you. But in the pain, in the shame, in the blame, there's hope. As you know, um, this scripture here, man, Zane, wonderful job, by the way. So the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you'll eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity. I'm, putting a, I'm giving Jesus a problem about you. He's got a problem with you and he's going to crush you. There's a problem between me and you. There's a problem between my son and you. There's a problem between offspring. It's going to be a problem and he's going to deal with you. He's going to crush your head. You don't run this place. Eh, he's just going to bruise his heel. He's going to deal with you. He's going to deal with you because you have hurt my people and I love my people. You've separated us. You've caused a problem here. What about that? Well, I mean, there's consequences. There are consequences. Yes, the woman's going to struggle with childbirth. Yes, the man. And, and they're separated. They're banished from the garden. Listen, again, highlights. Not details. The problem with us is we get so stuck in the details, we miss the whole story. In college, one of my favorite instructors would say, when you get a letter from anyone, or an, it would be an email now, whatever, you get a text, the first thing you do is read it, right? You're like, dude, poof, read it. If it's someone you care about, 
then, I mean, if you don't see it, or if you don't have good service, you might not see it, for all you who think I don't read your texts. Um, but, um, but you read it and see who wrote it, right? And then you read it again. You read it and you slow down, but the first thing you do is just read it. You get an overview of what's going on because you, you can get stuck in the details if it's very long and you kind of miss the heart of the message. That's what we do. I would not want to know how many people, if we had a show of hands, even some of us who've been doing this for a while, how many times you read through the Bible? Oh, but do I have to tell it before God or just tell it between you guys? Because before God, none, twice, one and a half, I don't know. How many times have you just chased and pulled parts of the story out? Well, I've done that my whole life. Well, you don't have perspective. You don't have perspective, and perspective is important. Context is important to understanding the whole story. Then you go back and dig through it. We're gaining perspective today. So there's hope, right? I'm going to send a Savior. And from, from Genesis chapter 3, in the great fall of mankind, God sets in motion. This, this enmity is Jesus, or this, this, this one who's going to save them, this one in the story that Zane read about. I'm going to put offspring, uh, enmity between the offspring, you know. That's Jesus. He's coming for you. Not to punish you, not to destroy you. All the way back in Genesis, there's like 300 ish uh, prophecies about Jesus in Old Testament. We're not covering those. Perspective. We're talking about perspective today. I feel like Alvin Iverson right now. We're talking about perspective. He will crush your head. He's coming for you, Satan, but he's coming for you, children of God. He's coming to save you because God loves you and he won't leave you alone, but he sets them out of the garden because there is a brokenness in that relationship, and now he's setting about to fix it. Along the way, though, mankind just goes from bad to worse, on and on and on, because mankind, take it how you will, mankind is just naturally bad, bent on evil in the flesh, always struggling, always battling. And so mankind goes from bad to worse, and God is grieved that he made his people. He's broken, he's upset, he's hurt that he made his people. And so he determines, I'm going to just wash this place clean. But one person found favor in God's eyes, one in all the world. When you start thinking the world's pretty bad right now, look around you. <laughs> There's a whole lot more in this room than God found in Noah's day. He found Noah and Noah alone. He said, Noah, here's the deal. Going to wipe it all out. You better call the family, man, because this place is going to be different. But Noah, how do we get this messed up? We always tell the story that God punished the world and wiped it all out. He protected his son, Noah. He kept him safe in that ark. He took care of him and you and me because we wouldn't be here, right? And he just redid, rebooted the story. And he come, they come out of the ark and he says, be fruitful and multiply. The problem is they didn't want to. As he says, be fruitful and multiply. I get that part down. He says, and go and, and, and populate the nations, right? Go live and multiply. But they don't. They stay right there and they want to build a tower to the sky. They huddle up. Very thing that we can't get people to do much after 2020. You can't get people to huddle up very well. But they huddle up, going to build a tower to the sky. And the Lord says, no, no, no. I said be fruitful and multiply, not build a tower to the sky. And your name, go do something that, that rhymes. Anyway, so he scatters them. The beginning of nations. 
And that's the, the beginning of the, the wrapping of this early part of the story. But we go from there immediately to Abraham, Abram, as you would know him. God calls him and he tells him, go to, the, go to Ur, the Chaldeans. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. This is what the Lord says to him. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Doesn't even know where he's going, you know. I just wish God would tell me. I just wish God would show me. I just don't know if I can believe. I'm not good enough. Abraham, take your crew and just start walking. I just like that. I will make you into a great nation and bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What do you hear when you hear that? You hear Jesus. You hear Jesus. The story is unfolding. God is redeeming. He's coming after you. Isn't that cool? The story's unfolding. So Abraham went. As the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from, from Haran. And you know a lot of this story, right? It unfolds that, you know, he made this promise. They don't have a child, so they kind of want to help the story along. Uh, take my handmaiden, Abram. No, no, no. Okay. And so then they end up having, you know, um, Ishmael's born, and, and God is disappointed with that. Says, you should have faith in me. Remember when you walked? How come you don't have that kind of faith now? And so eventually Isaac is born into the family. I love to tell the story, by the way. Genesis 15. And the word of the Lord came to him. This is Abraham again. This will not be your heir. Ishmael's not your heir. But a son who is your own flesh and blood, like I told you, right? Now, the struggle is real. I mean, he's almost 100. Sarah's pushing 80. And so there's a little concern that God's really hearing them and seeing them. But he tells them again, this is going to happen. So he takes them outside and he says, look at the stars in the sky. If, if, you, if you could count the stars. And he says, that's how your offspring is going to be. Rich Mullen says, sometimes I think of Abraham and how one star he saw had been lit for me. Isn't that cool? Abraham, what are you doing, bro? Can you see Jamie? Can you see Jeff Hayward? Can you see Jeff? Man, can you see Patsy? God is redeeming his people. It's already happened. If you're Satan in this story, you're going, no, 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 no. No, it can't be like this. Abraham, Sarah, I have Isaac. Oh, by the way, Abraham believed the Lord. This is an important part of that message. And he credited it to him as righteousness. Abraham wasn't righteous. He lied, deceived, doubted, and everything else. Listen, he lied, deceived, and doubted, and everything else. You can't be righteous. People, it's not in us, but God credits righteousness. Jesus gives righteousness. So Isaac, you know, comes along into the story. Almost a mirror image of, of, of Abraham in a lot of ways. But to Isaac and Rebekah were born Jacob and Joseph. You know, the, the, uh, the, they, they, they are twins, but... You know, they don't necessarily look alike. And the story from this part starts following the Jacob and his line. Jacob becomes the father of 12 boys, 12 sons. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, Asher, and Joseph, and Benjamin. You know those songs. You've sung them in children's Bible time if you were there, or you know them from the Bible as you've read it. But these boys are Jacob's sons, right? They're born to him through Leah and Rachel. 
Jacob, though, is a deceiver. He's a struggler. He's a battler. And Jacob's story unfolds that he has these 12 sons. He's heading back. He's been, been away you know, from the promised land. And on the way back, he begins to wrestle with God at the Jabbok. Jacob is a wrestler. He wrestled with his father, Isaac. He wrestled with his brother, Esau. He wrestled with Laban, his father-in-law. Now he's wrestling with God at the Jabbok. And at the Jabbok, he wrestles all night, and God brings him to himself. He changes his name. He gets a limp, and he is marked forever. His new name is Israel, right? His new name is Israel. And as story unfolds, his, it, 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 the story moves from his 12 sons who are later going to be the 12 tribes of Israel, going to be named after them. This is important. <laughs> this is a cool story. The, the, the 12 tribes are going to be named after him. But right now, Jacob and his boys are just being raised, and Joseph gets uh, kind of in a twist with them, and they sell him into slavery in Egypt. What you hear when you break this story down too much, or enough, but you don't know it in context, is what a mean thing his boys did. And what you should be saying is, wow, what is God doing? Because a famine's coming, and he's got to rescue his, his family. Like These are the people God's supposed to bring Jesus through. If they die from famine, Jesus is not getting here, and God's not going to have that. Joseph is sold into slavery. Oh, no, poor Joseph. But everything he does, God rescues him, makes a way, rescue him until he's second in all of Egypt, just below Pharaoh. Famine hits. All the boys who think he's dead, even his father Jacob says, hey, go get some grain. What? Joseph is second in the land? Let's go. And all of them, I didn't know I was going to do it with so much energy. That's exciting. So they all run down to, they all go down to, to Egypt. Seventy people listen to the numbers. When he comes back and he's wrestling with God, I cross this stream with just my staff. Seventy people. God is on the move. He's up to something. They go down to Egypt. In Egypt, they're flourishing, but Joseph dies. A new Pharaoh becomes uh, in place. He doesn't know them. He sees the Israelites have grown so much now. They're bigger than we are. If they join with one of the outside kingdoms, they might overthrow us and make us slaves. Let's make them slaves. And they make them slaves. They just let it happen. Like you and sin, like me in battles and everything else. We just kind of let those things take us over. <clears throat> Moses. Moses, Moses. Nobody ever before or after like Moses. What a man. God calls Moses. All the while, while the Israelites are being punished by Egypt, they're killing all the boys, but Moses' mom just kind of hides them in a basket. God raises them right in Pharaoh's house. He goes out and sees, he, he's a, he is one of God's, by the way. He is he's a Hebrew. He, he goes out and he sees this, an Egyptian punishing one of his people. He kills him. He finds out that they know about it. He runs off and is 40 years wandering, 40 years away. He sees a burning bush. God's like, why are you out here? Go back to Egypt. Go back to Egypt. They know I killed a guy there. Go back to Egypt. I'm going to have you send my or leave my people out. Why would Pharaoh listen to me? Why would he hear me? And Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mount. You're coming right here, big boy. So strap them on, right? Strap it in. You're about to go. And Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And he says to Moses, I am who I am. And this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Just that's all you got. 
How, how else would you explain God? How else would you set this up? How else would you? So he goes, and they don't want to listen, and he keeps telling the story, and he goes to Pharaoh, and you know how the story unfolds. Eventually, one plague, two plague, three plagues. Pharaoh's like, nope, nope, nope. Finally, ten plagues or nine plagues, and now God says, all right, I'm going to do something that's going to blow their minds. It will kill every firstborn in Egypt, animal, children, everything. But you get the goat, unblemished, um, spotless, put the, put the blood on the doorpost, and when the, when the angel sees it, he will pass over you, right? Communion service this morning. There's a, there's a, there's a remembrance, there's a representation, there's a connection there. And so, and so, so God visits them and destroys so many hearts and minds of evil folks bent on evil and leads the Israelites out, right? They leave Egypt. The Egyptians say, go, please go, please go. And they're wondering, and God is leading them, what, how pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. They go out to the Red Sea. The Egyptians chase them, hem them in. God says, don't worry about it. Sets a wall between them. And, and, and all night long blows the sea back, parts the sea. They walk through on dry ground. When they get through on dry ground, um, the sea closes back up, and all the Egyptians die. Um, still providing for them, still providing for them, still providing for them. They go from the Dead Sea, to, from the Red Sea to, the, to Mount Sinai. Now, Mount Sinai, they're given two things. At Mount Sinai, they're given two things. Um, wait a minute. That's not it. In Mount Sinai, they're given two things. They're given the law, and they're given the tabernacle. Well, they're in, 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 in a kind of set up in the sacrificial system. They're given a law. The law is the thing that honors God so much. It's, 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 it, it sets in their minds and their hearts how holy and amazing God is and, and, and sets a precedent. How, how are you going to live into this? 613 laws. I mean, the whole of all of it. The tabernacle, the tabernacle, heaven and earth meet right here. How cool is that? God says, I love you so much. Wait, but what about Adam and Eve? I love you so much. What about all the sin we've done? I love you so much. What about all these things that have happened already? They're saying, aren't there enough graves in Egypt? Moses, why didn't we go back there when they were pressed there at the sea? And as Kendall would remind me, Dad, I wonder if they thought about them saying that whenever they see all the Egyptians dead washing up on that. Isn't that just an interesting thought there? And, and, and God gives them tabernacle, which, which, which says, I'm going to be right here with you. Wait a minute. But I thought you are mad God. I thought you are big bully God. I thought you were the one waiting to pound us because of the sin at the beginning. And we just keep sitting. And we can't seem to get this right. No, I'm the one who told you you don't know you. You're the one that doesn't know the story. I know this story. I'm the one who set up the redemption story. You never would have thought of it. It never would have come to you. And so they get this, they, these things get set in place, and it's time to go to the promised land. So they take a census. Jacob, you know, time to go down to your father, eventual father-in-law, Laban, by yourself, coming back up, uh, going down to these 70 people, growing, growing, growing. The story unfolds. When they number the fighting men leaving for Sinai to head for the promised land, they, they number six. 100,000 fighting men. An estimated 2 million people now moving under Moses' command. God's people. Abraham, can you count the stars? 
An angry God would have blotted them out a long time ago. He told Moses that, right, with the, with the golden calf. There's all kinds of stories that are filled in here that you need to read. An angry God would have done a lot of things, but you only see an angry God if you project yourself into it and if you just grab parts to make it sing and dance for you. Time to go to the promised land. So Moses sends out 12 spies. You know the story. One for each of the Jacob's sons. No, I'm the children of Israel now because their names have been, right? Sends out 12 spies. They go and they see this promised land. What's the promised land? Well, you know they left they left from the beginning in, in the sin. They left the garden. And God's saying, I'm going to get this fixed again. So he's promising them this land that's flowing with milk and honey. It has everything going. It's a beautiful, awesome, plush land. Twelve tribes go out. All of them come back and say, this is awesome. It's everything he said it was. We can't go. <laughs> Why not? Well, ten of them say, because they're really big. Those people are really big. They're stronger than us. Just Joshua and Caleb, no, we need to take them. We need to go. God can do this. The ten melted their hearts, and so they did not go into the promised land. They were afraid, and so God was upset. He struggled with them, but listen, he tells them, those boys, they, the, the, the census, right, of fighting men, I didn't say this, it was from anyone 20 years old and up, 20 and down, you were not counted among fighting men. So he says, everybody counted in the census, 20 and up, Everybody, you're going to wander in this wilderness for 40 years, once for every day that they spied out the promised land. You're going to die here, and then I'll take this younger generation into the promised land. Sounds really mean. While they were there, uh, he always provided their food every day. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their sandals didn't wear out. He looked out for them and loved them. But, but see, the sacrifice and, and these kinds of things, you know, with the sacrificial system, something I didn't mention way back there in Sinai, the sacrificial system was not about, like, appeasing some angry God. That was what the pagans did. They sacrificed things in that, in that time to satisfy an angry God. They even practiced child sacrifice. In God's story, when you would cut an animal's throat and sacrifice it, it you're, you're, the imagery was you were supposed to see the blood pour out, and you would know this blood is its life, and this was what I was supposed to receive for what I have done. Now, what God's doing to me, what I have done, and God has allowed this animal to take its place, not finish yet. So when I take the blood and sprinkle it around, the altar, it has a cleansing of those things because God is holy. He doesn't want to leave. He doesn't want to be pressed out of our lives. He wants to be in. And so when things come along that, that need to be sacrificed for, there's discipline. It's because there's something going on that you're driving me away. I want to be with you. And so they all, 40 years old or 20 years old and up, they wander for 40 years till the last one passes. Time to go in the, in the promised land again. And Moses shares lots of teachings again with them, back to all the things he'd talked before, lengthy and awesome. And then he says this at the end of it. This day I call the heavens and earth to witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life that you may live, um, that you and your children may live, and, and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land as he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac 
and Jacob. And so Moses said, hey, listen, God's calling me home. And Moses doesn't enter the promised land. You know the story. He speaks to the, no, and he whacks the, and you didn't honor me as holy. You're going to come on home. And Moses gets to go home. He doesn't go to the promised land. And so the story then begin, takes over here that, sorry, that Joshua steps into the story. Moses hands off the leadership. God moves leadership into Joshua. And they cross the Jordan, flood stage on dry ground. They go in, they take Jericho, they take Ai, and they conquer all of the people of the promised land. And each tribe of Israel, remember Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Dan, Naphtali, Joshua, yeah, all those guys, all those tribes, millions of people have their property. They all settle in the promised land. As Joshua is handing over, as he's passing at the end of his life, after getting them across the sea into, or the river, into the promised land, conquering the, 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 the people, he says, by the way, they're in the promised land. <laughs> That's awesome. It's supposed to mean something. Look how far you've brought us, God. I was 70 people going into Egypt. Now we have a home. Now fear the Lord and serve him, Joshua says, with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestor, that your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, well, that's where that's at. Joshua, for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. This is who we are. This is what we're going to do. <clears throat> Excuse me, please. Now they enter the land of or the time of the judges, right? Here's a story. Israel has no king. Israel begins to do exactly what Israel's always done. They're doing what mankind had done from the beginning, sin upon sin. And God had told them, when you get here, you get in this nice land, and you get your nice homes, and you're plowing your nice fields, and you got your nice crops, and you get your nice clothes, and you get your nice stuff. You're going to get lazy, fat, sassy, boring, miserable. You're going to choose your own way, and that's exactly what they did. They left. They, they, they walked away from God. They were distracted by everything. And when Israelites walk away from God, it ain't walking away from God like you think walking away from God. You're talking about serving other gods, giving other gods their allegiance, their everything, sacrifices, things. Like they, are, they, they become worse and worse and worse. And so then we enter a period of the judges, right? Oh, and then the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord for the gods. That's what they said after after. Um, Joseph passes after Joseph pa Joshua passes sorry at the end of as for me my house will serve the Lord gotcha so anyway in the time of judges there are three awesome judges there are a lot of good judges what the judges did was they didn't they didn't lead the whole Israelite community they would just lead through pockets of people they one would rise up here another would rise up there because they had no leader there was no Moses there was no Joshua right so you got Deborah Deborah was a great leader. She was a woman who led Israel for a period of time. And there, and there was this, this evil man, Sisera, you know, who they're, they're, they're plotting against them. And she and Jael, another lady, you know, drives a spike through. Yeah, kills the bad guy. Gideon, right? Um, ham, uh, trumpet pitcher towards Samson, the guy with the long hair. All the judges, as they ruled and did what they did, you know, they were trying to lead the people back to the Lord. What would happen is Israel would sin, 
God would send someone, a tormentor, if you will, another country would come in, another people, and they would begin to raid them and bother them and, and uh, just kind of overrun them. They would repent, say, help, and he would send a judge, and the judge would deliver them. Then Israel would be okay for a while, then they would sin, then they would, God would send someone to bother them, and then they would cry out to God, and then he would send a judge. That's what's going on in, in, in the book of Judges. So the judges, you know, they were interesting. They battled. They really struggled with themselves. The judges themselves weren't really good people. You got to understand, Samson was not a good man. Gideon battled in who he was. Deborah wasn't all that great. The problem with all God's leaders is they're just people. It took Jesus. It, it, I mean, the story, God's trying to get them to salvation. They're battling, except one awesome lady, Ruth. Ruth was awesome. Oddly enough, she's not an Israelite. She's a Moabitess. But Ruth's story unfolds as she becomes the great-grandma of David, right? Samson, you know his story. And so we get through the book of, the, of Judges, and it ends with this line, Joshua 21, 14 through 16. It's supposed to say Judges. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. They just did what they did. They, whatever they thought, that's what they did. Enter Samuel. God is going to do something different. When Samuel comes on the scene as a little boy while he's growing up and God calls him, he says, I'm going to do something in Israel that's going to make the people's ears tingle. He becomes the last judge, first prophet, depending on how you look at him. But Israel wants a king. They want a king like everybody else. i got to step on the gas here, I know. Israel wants a king. They want a king like everybody else. They want to be like everybody else. So God says we've got to give them a king. And, and Samuel takes this personally. God says they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. Once again, Israel rejecting God. God gives them a king. Samuel actually anoints three different kings. Saul, who's a terrible king. But he looks like a king. He doesn't have the heart of a king. He's very selfish. David, who has the heart of a king, what would you say? Incredible sinner. Incredible repenter. He is a, his heart is so for God. He lives so in his flesh. He's a battling, struggling man who God loves. It says he's after his own heart. Solomon, who's a divided man. You know the story of Solomon. People would travel just to see how awesome and wise he was. But he had like a thousand wives. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, 300 and, and, and 700, and how confusing and difficult. And so Israel, under these three kings, had 120 years of peace. 120 years of peace. <clears throat> Are we doing okay so far? Everybody all right? Good. 120 years of peace. But... As the king goes or the leader goes, so goes the people. Solomon has a divided heart, and so his son, Jeroboam, has a divided heart. Rehoboam has a divided heart. And so when, 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 when he steps into the story as king, the people ask him and say to him, first of all, God told them, when you get a king, he's going to tax you. He's going to put pressure on you. It's going to be heavy, and you're going to pay the bill for it. So the people, once Solomon is king, he taxed them greatly. So Rehoboam, could you please lower the burden, lower the taxes, do something, help us out? He, 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 uh, he seeks counsel of the wiser men, and they say, do it. He seeks counsel of the younger men, his contemporaries. They said, don't do it. He went with the younger people, and the kingdom split. 
God has been trying to get his people to somewhere for so long. They finally have peace, and it's in the very king who splits the place. Over this time, there's 400 years of a divided kingdom because Rehoboam couldn't listen to God and would not ever take wise counsel. Israel had 39 kings in the northern kingdom, which the, the southern king, Judah, right? And, and the, 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 the battle for that, um, when they, the northern kingdom, or they all have 39 kings. The northern kingdom has 19. The southern kingdom has 20. 39 kings. Eight kings had a heart for God. 39 kings between these two, and only eight had a heart for God. We go into the period of the prophets. This is the time when, when if, if the, the prophets would call people's hearts back when their hearts drifted, right? The, 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 this king thing's not working well. So God starts sending prophets, and they'd work in two ways, right? They would warn of judgment for unbelief. Can you imagine God's people not believing? See, this is what, the, this is what sacrifices, this is what separation is about, it's not about good folks trying. It's not about good folks looking for God and just stumbling along the way. It's unbelief, not moving toward. They would also remind, one, they would, they would warn of judgment. Two, they would promise reconciliation for repentance. Hey, God sees you, and you aren't trusting him. You don't believe. You don't believe. You don't trust him. Two, promise reconciliation. It's going to be okay if you will listen. And most of your books of prophecy were written during these 400 years, right? So basically, with all the judges and with all the kings and with all this, the people still never believed God. And so he sent other nations to judge them. Unbelief, you understand. God's whole point of the judges back in the day of any army coming in, of the king's heaviness on them, of all these things, were only meant to drive people back. Don't stick the fork in the socket. You know better. <laughs> you just need to stop. You're being mean to me. No. I want you to have all your hair where it's supposed to go. It's just, it's just don't do that. There are things that are going to destroy you. You're driving me away from you. I want to be with you. I want to bless you. I want to love you. And Israel never, ever responded. They just kept going from bad to worse. We, we should be thinking, what is wrong with these guys, man? And how could God not quit? Because he never quit. Assyria came in and they took captive the Israelites because they just didn't believe and trust. They wouldn't trust him. It wasn't that they didn't go to church or they didn't speak his name in the community. They never trusted. They were evil and they did bad things to others and themselves and their own people. They were unbelievers. And God sends Assyria, and in Assyria, when they overran a country, they would, they would take them and spread them out over other countries that they had right, overrun. And then they would take other countries that they had overrun, who they were over, and they would bring them in there and just mix the people all up. Incredible identity confusion. So, so they take Israel and run them out. They bring other countries in, and you start seeing the, 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 the thought of, who are the Samaritans? Yeah, it's very confusing, right? 
Then Babylon comes into, into power, and they overrun Judah, but they scoop and run, man. They take three deportations. They take the Israelites out to Babylon. This is where you see Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Abednego. They're taken to Babylon, and they're raised there. Interesting, Daniel's reading. Guess what Daniel's reading? Jeremiah? Daniel's reading his Bible, man. Well, God said 70 years. Hey, wait a second. It's almost 70 years. He starts giving hope and encouragement to everybody. He's reading the scroll. He's paying attention to what's going on. And then Persia overthrows Babylon. You see the story of Esther and, and Mordecai. So what happens when, when Persia overthrows Babylon, he gives the people a choice. You can go back to Jerusalem. You can stay here, whatever you want to do, because some people were just raised in Babylon. They're used to being in Babylon. And so the story unfolds that Esther and Mordecai stay, but others go. Listen to what happens in this part of the story. 50,000 people go back. They find the walls destroyed, which is horribly humiliating for God's people. Worse, the temple is just raised. It's, a, it's just destroyed. Yeah, where's your identity? Where's your power? God is not here. Remember that like the tabernacle, the temple was where heaven and earth met. And Zerubbabel, you know, the, he, he goes back and he rebuilds temple. Ezra goes back and he rallies the people's hearts. And then Nehemiah shows up and he builds the wall in 52 days. The enemies didn't want it to happen, and they were threatening them, and some of the guys had a, had a trial for mortar in one hand and a sword in the other, and, and they weren't going to quit working for all of this. But when it was finished, when, when that story, let me click this a minute, when that story unfolded, it says here, so the wall was completed on the 27th day of Elul, yeah, in 52 days, when our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. They knew that there was a mighty God working in Israel, again, in Jerusalem, again, I should say. This God that, you're, that we're talking about here, his relentless pursuit, his constant chasing, all these things, all that we've talked about, scattered in, just put in hundreds of prophecies about where this story's going. We're, we're, we're heading for Jesus. A deliverer, a deliverer is coming. I know. I've seen what you see. You can't do this right. You will never do this right. And so you keep running, and you keep running. You keep prostituting yourself. You keep chasing everything else. But I'm telling you, I love you, and I will not let you go. I will not let you go, Israel. I will not let you go. I will pursue you, and I will never give up on you. The wall is built back. The temple is built back. The people are rallied, and they just sit in Jerusalem. And your New Testament ends, or your Old Testament ends, and there's this quietness for about 400 years. It wasn't that God wasn't working wasn't he, that he wasn't doing something. You just don't hear it. But what you should be hearing is Elizabeth, is she pregnant? Is that John the Baptist? What would his story be? What's going on? Listen, you are, I make a grave mistake. 
when I make God the villain, the tyrant, the enemy, the bad guy, there is one enemy, Satan, and God has one enemy, Satan, and anyone that follows him, not gets distracted by him, not gets tempted by him, not that falls horribly, because we will fall horribly, but you're not God's enemy. He loves you, and he's been pursuing you since Adam and Eve first fell with the beginning of all the crisis of humanity. God loves you. The Old Testament is his story. It is only his story. Sorry about that, Jared. And don't we love to tell the story? I hope you're encouraged today. I know that's a lot. Let's pray, and I'm going to let us get out of here. Father, thanks for this time. And fathers, we have an invitation moment. I pray that you just stir our hearts, God. Pray that you encourage all of us. Help us to see you, understand you better, have an overview of all that you're doing, trying to do, God. Help us grasp it with our hearts so that we can see you better. Free us and draw us nearer to you. In your son's name we pray, amen. Listen, there's more to the story. We're going to talk about it. If God gives us the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about it. But this story ends with a savior for you. It ends with one that takes everything the perfect sacrifice, not, the, not bulls and goats. They couldn't do what was needed to be done. We needed a Savior once for all, taking all sin for all mankind. And that's what Jesus did for us. And if you desire to respond to him, one of our elders will immerse you into him or will pray for you for encouragement and hope or restoration. Whatever you desire, why don't you come as we stand and sing. I've heard an old, old story, how a Savior came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning, of his precious blood's atoning. Then I repented of my sins and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior.
Sunday morning, and for all those who might be watching online, I uh, appreciate you being with us as well. Uh, I thank all the guys for serving this morning. Uh, thank you, Jamie, for a very good lesson. Jared, for leading us in worship. Appreciate you guys. Uh, hopefully you received a bulletin on your way in. I will, there's a lot of stuff in there, and I guarantee I'm going to forget something, so if you're one of the people who told me to mention something, and I forget, just holler at me. <laughs> uh, on our prayer list there... Uh, have a few updates there. Uh, Roger Cooper's brother, uh, Mike, been diagnosed with cancer. So we we'd like to remember uh, uh, Mike Cooper and the family and your prayers. I know they'd appreciate that. And uh, also Tim Loft. This is Sharon Gamp's cousin. Uh, he's been having treatments for lung cancer. So remember Tim Loft in your prayers and uh, Rachel McLaughlin. This is Doug's wife. She's been having some health issues as well. And I had a note handed to me that. Uh, Sonia Nichols, this is uh, Sonia Irwin Nichols, who's been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. This is the daughter of Dale Irwin. I guess a friend of a lot of folks here. So remember Sonia in your prayers as well. Is there any other updates on our prayer concerns? Anything at all? Okay. Uh, there's a lot of things going on in our, in our bulletin there. Uh, we'll be having our elders' prayer session this Thursday. So if you have any prayer requests, get that, those to us. Uh, we will be making our calls. Uh, remember, our home groups start tonight, so the pads are still laid out on the table back there, and the materials there, and the uh, little communion cups are there too. So we've, if you haven't signed up yet, it's not too late. Go ahead and sign up today. Those will begin tonight. And one note, the, the group that's meeting at Dressbacks will be meeting at 255 Higby Road. That's, that's at their big barn, not at their house. So it's 255 Higby Road. If you need directions, Jared will, Jared will point you in the right direction. So remember that's nine, and we will have a group here at the building. So, uh, Easter egg hunts coming up April the eighth. So we'll be needing lots of candy for that, individual wrapped candy. So, so uh, if you'd like to help out with that, uh, start bringing that candy in. Uh, the house mill update. We'll have uh, Austin Archer will be here with us April sixteenth to give us an update on. Uh, things going on at Howe's Mill, and uh, speaking of that, there's going to be a, a service day at the camp. It's going to be April the 1st at 9 a.m. till 4. Uh, if you'd like to help out with that, you can get with Lisa McRae, and I'm sure they would. They could use a lot of help there. So, uh, The March item for uh, Midwestern is peanut butter, so you can bring it out and put it back there as well. 
and VBS is, will be here before we know it. It'll be June the 19th through the 23rd, and if you would like to continue doing what you did last year, or if you'd like a different job, or if you'd like to volunteer, it's, there's a lot of work that needs to be done with that. You can see Brittany Gamp for that. And back there on the window, we still have our sheets up for our contact information. Uh, check that out and make sure it's, it's up to date and add your email if, if you would. And in conjunction with that, uh, we're going to try to use that information for a pictorial directory. We haven't really did that in a long time. And uh, we've got a lot of exciting things about how that might work. So it's, it's, it may be uh, something pretty, pretty neat once we get it all together. But starting uh, April the 2nd, two weeks from today, uh, Caitlin Book's going to be taking pictures for that. If, so if you'd like to have your photo, your individual, your family photos included in that, uh, she will be here after church starting uh, two weeks, April 2nd, and for as many weeks as it takes. But And we'll have a place designated for that. So you can get with her and we'll get your picture made here so we can get that into the directory. So it gives you two weeks to get all prettied up. So, And the Easter's a week after that, so usually we have folks that show up with their Easter bonnets and stuff, so, you know, it'd be a great time to get your photo made, so, so we're excited about that. Let's see. I think that's it. Anything else I might have missed? Anything at all? Well, I wanted to read something real quick here, and then we'll be dismissed in a prayer. Uh, this is a passage of scripture that's probably pretty familiar. This whole chapter is really good, but uh, Proverbs chapter 3 starting at verse 1 it says my son do not forget my teaching but keep my commands in your heart for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity let love and faithfulness never leave you bind them around your neck write them on the tablet of your heart and you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. So you would stand with me and we'll have a prayer and enjoy your day today. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this day that you bless us with, Lord. We thank you for all the ways you watch over us and bless us. Lord, we know that every good and perfect gift comes from you. And I pray that we always have a a heart of thanksgiving and gratitude. Lord, we thank you for this privilege and honor that we've had to meet here together and to sing and to praise you, Father, and worship you. I pray that everything we've done here today has been pleasing to you and has been uplifting and strengthening to us. Lord, I pray that you would uh, be with all those that we mentioned here on our, our prayer list, those that's going through difficult times, Father, those that's having surgeries. We ask you to just bless them and their families and their caregivers. And Lord, we thank you for all the answered prayers all the ones that we, uh, we've prayed about and we've had on our list that we know you've healed and brought back to us. We're thankful for that, Lord. We know that you are the great physician. Father, we pray that we can take the things that we studied here today, things from the lesson that we can apply them to our lives, Lord. We would truly realize that you are a God of love, Lord, that you pursue us, that you never give up on us, Lord. I pray that we would uh, always look to you for strength and guidance and forgiveness as we do uh, go through this life and we stumble. Lord, we pray for our home groups tonight. We would have a, a good meeting, and we would uh, connect with each other, and we will most of all connect with you, Lord. Father, we ask you would just continue to guide this congregation, help us to do the things you want us to do. Father, we pray that we would uh, put you first in all decisions and all the things that we do, Lord, would be something that we would...
prioritize, Lord, so that we can be a light in this community. Father, most of all, we do thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his life. Thank you for his love, his example. And most of all, we thank you for his sacrifice. Thank you for the price that was paid for us, Lord. Go with us this day, Lord, and help, help us to have a good day in you. And we pray all this, and we give thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen.